Greetings, everybody. Welcome to our Berean Bible Church podcast. This is the second message of our Unseen War series. Our Valley Campus pastor, Rick Kramer, is here with the morning's teaching. All right. Good morning. Glad to have you here. It's, uh, glad to be back. Actually, I haven't seen you guys in quite a while, but it's good to be with you. Uh, a warm welcome if you are a guest with us. We're so glad you're here. Um, we want to extend a, a welcome to our friends who are watching online. Uh, we don't have to welcome Cincy and Bainbridge this morning. They have actually a live preacher at their campus this morning. So uh, we're, we're in the middle of this sermon series called On Scene War. And if you were not here last week, uh, if you didn't see Justin's message, I would encourage you, please go back and see that. Because what we're going to talk about today uh, really kind of builds on that. It's, the, the two messages really go hand in hand, and so it's important for you to see that. Um, I would encourage you, I mean, Facebook, YouTube, our, our website, there are a number of different ways you can do that, but go back and, and check out that message. I think one of the things that's important to remind ourselves of as we talk about a topic like this, you know, we, we don't talk about this very often, do we? I, I can't remember the last time we had a sermon series about, uh, you know, the darkness, about Satan, about, you know, evil and, and all those types of things. It's an important reminder for us. But there is, there is a balance to this. It's important that as we, as we consider this serious topic, um, that we don't get too involved or too overemphasized in it, but yet we do need to talk about it. And, and I think C.S. Lewis summarized it the great way. He said, the two common mistakes of Christianity is either the overemphasis of the spiritual world or the minimization of it. And so we can, we can be guilty of both. We can be guilty of uh, not talking about it, kind of pushing it off to the side, maybe, maybe even being fearful of talking about it. Or we can be, you know, like everything is a demon hiding behind a rock, right? And that's, we, so we don't want to go to that extreme either. But it's important for us to, to wrestle through um, this topic. And last week, Pastor Justin talked to us about Satan. Talked about uh, all of his names throughout the Bible. That he's this incredibly powerful creature. Um, that we, you know, that should in some way strike fear in our hearts. But yet, there's more. See, not only are we in an unseen spiritual battle against Satan, but guess what? Satan has a team. He has an entire team that's working out his evil plots right alongside him. Now, I, I realize this is like a really weak illustration, but... How many of you filled out an NCAA March Madness bracket? Okay, some of you, all right. Um, I feel like the March Madness is kind of one of those sporting events, even if you're not a sports fan, somehow you at least hear about it, sometimes you get involved in it. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, kind of like the Super Bowl. You know, you don't necessarily have to follow football to, to get excited about the Super Bowl. And the one thing that's interesting about people filling out brackets is, the, the way they fill out the brackets, right? You have people that will fill out brackets that have not seen a college basketball game at all, um, but because, you know, they'll, they'll pick their teams based on the color or they'll pick their teams based on the mascot. So if you really like peacocks, you're, 
your bracket is looking really good right now. Um, you know, so there's just really random ways to, to pick out your bracket. And, and this year, I think people that randomly picked out their bracket probably are better, better placed than, than people who actually watch the sport all year. But part of, part of the thing that's really fascinating about bringing 68 college teams together in a tournament is that they have to learn about their opponent. They have to learn about their team that they're playing against. And, and it's not like that it's uh, teams that are within their conference, that they know the coach, they, they play them a couple times every year. A lot of times, the teams that they're playing in the tournament, they've never played before. And so they have to study, and, and they have to watch film, and, and maybe even look at, at some games that the other team won, and some games that the other team lost, and find out what's their strengths, what are their weaknesses. And so... That's what we're going to do this morning. As, as we consider Satan and his evil plot, the fact is he has a team. And so we need to study his team. And so if you would this morning, join me in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, if you're using a, a chair Bible, it's page 996. And uh, we provide that chair Bible for you as a gift. If you don't have a copy of God's Word or if you would like a uh, a copy of God's Word in a, in a different translation, you are more than welcome to take that with you. And as you're turning to Revelation chapter 12, you know, you might be, first of all, you might be saying, hold it, I thought Revelation talks about the future. Well, it's important to remember that, that the Apostle John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, it was his experience of being brought out of this realm and brought into a different realm and he was, he was literally being shown things that were happening throughout history as well as in the future. There, there, he, he was a beyond time and space. And, and he talks about the fact that, that he's writing about things that were, things that are, and things that are to come. So it's important to keep that in mind. And also, remember that Revelation is apocalyptic literature, right? It's, it's kind of like I don't know, science fiction, horror, right? It's a different genre of writing than, say, the Gospels, which is more of a historical account, okay? So keep those two things in mind as, as we look at Revelation chapter 12. Starting at verse 3, it says this. John wrote, Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. Now, if you stop right there, you go, wow, this is, wow, this is like quite a, a crazy image that we're seeing here. But, but it actually starts to explain it a little bit more. If you go down in verse 7, he continues the story. He says this, Then there was a war in heaven. Michael, who is an archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. And now it gives us some description. It helps us to understand who this dragon is. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, we heard all his names last week, right? The one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth, with all his angels. So we can tell by this that 
Satan has a team. In fact, literally a third of the angels of heaven fell with him, followed him, and, and were, are now fallen angels or dark angels, or we would call them demons. In fact, that word demon appears in the New Testament over 60 times. Like, this is a real thing. And it's, and it's a formidable army. It's a, a great army. Not only is Satan powerful, but he has all these angels that are part of his army, part of his team. And so it's important for us to know that the enemy has a team. And, and it's important for us to, to get an understanding of, of what they are, what they do. And it's also important to remember what their limitations are. So we, we talk about Satan and his team, and, and last week we talked about how powerful Satan is, but we were reminded that Satan is not omnipotent. He's powerful, but he's not as powerful as God, right? He's not all-powerful. And Satan is, it, it can be in, in, in a number of places, but he can't be them all at all at the same time. He, he's limited, right? He's powerful. He's the ruler of this world, but he's not omnipresent. And so he has this team of fallen angels, his team of dark angels, that are literally are like his henchmen to carry out his evil designs. Now, it's important for us to take a moment and, and talk about a kind of a controversial subject that comes along with this. Because I think as we've seen in, in the movies and, and other places, we, we've seen things about demonic uh, possession. And if we were basing our theology on just what we saw in movies, it would be pretty inaccurate. But the Bible is, the Bible does have many examples of demonic possession, of, of literally these fallen angels, these demons, indwelling a person and controlling them. Now, probably the most, the most memorable example is the maniac of Gadara. If you've read through the, the Gospels, you, you've seen this story of this man that was, he was possessed by actually a legion of demons. Not just one demon, but, but many demons. And Jesus cast out these demons and he cast them into a, a flock of swine. That's how many demons there were in this man. So demonic possession is a real thing. But I think it's important for us to distinguish between possession and oppression. Because as we look at biblical examples of demonic possession, we don't see any examples of people who are believers, people who are Jesus followers, being possessed by demons. In fact, I think it's really an important distinction to make as we look at Scripture that we that we understand that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we, when we say, yes, I'm going to be a Jesus follower, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, I believe that he rose again from the grave, I believe that he's coming again for us, I want to be a Jesus follower. When we make that decision, the Bible tells us that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Literally, God comes to live within us. And, and in 1 Corinthians, Paul describes it this way. He says, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple? You're his dwelling place and that the spirit of God lives in you? 
And and he asked basically the same question just a, a few chapters later. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And so I think as we look at Scripture, we look at the examples of possession, we look at this principle of the fact that as a Jesus follower, we have the Holy Spirit within us. A a Jesus follower, a believer, cannot be possessed. Because God and Satan can't, can't harbor, can't tabernacle, can't live in the same place. And so that's why we don't see any examples in the Bible of somebody who's a Jesus follower being indwelled or possessed by a demon. But that being said, there's that other word, that oppression word. And I think we do see scriptural examples. And, and, and rather than spending a lot of time on this this morning, let me just give you three references that I would encourage you to go look at as you study your Bible throughout the week. 1 Peter chapter 5, Ephesians 6, and 1 Timothy 4. 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, 1 Timothy 4. You'll see the, the, the work that demons do they, they try to influence us to sin. Uh, they try to hinder us from our ministry work. They, they try to distract us from our purpose. But they cannot possess us. Okay? That's an important distinction to make. So we, we, we understand that, that Satan has, an, has a team, but we, we also need to get to know and understand what their tactics are. What what are, they, what are they all about? What, what's their approach? Why, why do they do the things they do? And I think Pastor Justin again mentioned this last week as far as sometimes, you know, we have this, this image of, of Satan as a, you know, a red devil with a pitchfork. And, and sometimes we, we associate that with, you know, just all, it's all evil all the time. But, but I think, you know, we can see that Satan's tactic and his team, you know, they, they want to present themselves with, with, a lot of truth, but just a little bit of error. 90% truth, but, but 10% error. I mean, even looking at the example of the temptation of Christ, you know, Satan misquoted, he, he quoted Scripture. Satan quoted Scripture, but he misquoted it, or he quoted it out of context, or, or he gave misleading promises, or, or he misrepresented the cost. And in fact, last week, you know, we, we talked about the, the fact that the powerful influence that people are under, the, the fact that oftentimes when we're, we're shooting at what we call the enemy, really what we're doing is we're shooting at the hostages. We're, it, it, the people that we call enemies, we've got to recognize the fact that they're, they're under the influence of evil. They're, they're living under the consequence of sin. They are not the enemy. They are the hostage of the enemy. And so I want to take that image and, and, and take it a step further. Like I said, build upon that. And so this morning, I want to I give you kind of a maybe, I don't know, crazy illustration, but this is just how my mind works. So I'm going to push these over here, grab a couple of these over here. All right, so I want to preface this by saying, listen, I, I don't 
My intention is not to minimize what's happening in Ukraine right now. The, the war crimes, the, the invasion that's taking place in Ukraine, um, the, this in no way is to, is to try to minimize uh, the horror of going on there. But I think as we talk about spiritual warfare, really the easiest way for us to identify and understand it is, is to talk about physical warfare. Like what is, what is warfare really like? And so last week, Pastor Justin was talking about shooting at the enemy, right? And so we're, we're in this battle, and, and we're fighting, and we're shooting the enemy. Pew, 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 right? And, and, and unfortunately, we're hitting the hostages rather than hitting the, the, the actual enemies that we have. But here's the, I, what I would consider to be the greatest and most successful tactic that Satan and his team uses in this spiritual warfare. You know what it is? Pew, 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 pew. Divide and conquer. He gets us to shoot at each other. Right? He, he rather than, than having engaged in the battle with him, Christians are just shooting at each other. We're, we're in the, we're in the, the, the foxhole. And we're, we're, we're having fights and debates with each other. My rifle is better than your rifle. Oh, well, listen, you might have a better rifle, but I can shoot more accurate than you. Or, or man, my uniform is so much better looking than your uniform. But that's literally what, what, what American Christians are doing today. We're, we're shooting each other. Oh, you're, you're way off on that doctrine. Man, that, that, that might be, you know, really small to you, but that's a big thing to me. I, I, man, I can't do ministry with you. Pew, pew. Oh, the way you do ministry, you know, you, you know you're, you're too old school or, 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 oh, you guys are compromising, right? Pew, pew, pew. Or how about, let me, let me give one that, that's maybe a little bit more down to home and personal, right? Because may, maybe you don't do that. Maybe, maybe you're not involved with those, you know, YouTubers that, that spend all their time talking about how, you know, that this pastor or that pastor is a wolf in sheep clothing because he has a minor disagreement with him. Maybe you don't get involved in that stuff, all right? But how about this? Have we, have we spent a lot of time and energy fighting over this? I mean, even now, it still elicits a reaction, doesn't it? And, and I'm not saying all of us, but, but some of us maybe have invested so much time and energy and focus on fighting with each other over something so silly. And Satan and his team are over there in the enemy trenches and they're just laughing. Look at those Christians. They're not even shooting at us. They're just shooting at each other. You see, that, that I think is the, the most effective tactic that Satan's team uses. Let us not fall prey. To that tactic. In fact, Andy Stanley said it this way, disagreement is unavoidable. 
Sure, we're going to have different opinions. We're going to have different doctrinal positions. There are different ways to do ministry. We're going to have disagreement. But division is always a choice. And let us choose not to be divided. As a body of believers, not only just as a, as a, as a local church, but, but the influence that we have outside of this church, the world is watching. And the world sees us shooting at each other. Let's make a choice not to fall for Satan's and his team's most effective tool against us. So listen, we've, we've talked about the enemy's team. We've, we've talked about their tactic. But let's finish with this. The enemy's trouble. Listen, Scripture makes it very clear. They, they are very strong. We cannot win the battle in our own strength. But see, they do have one weakness. Pastor Justin mentioned that we were going to revisit this verse and, and talk about it more this week. 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you are a, if you are a Jesus follower, we talked about the fact that when you made that decision to follow Christ, you became indwelled with the Holy Spirit. God in you. And you have that power within you. In fact, it's important to notice that it says you have overcome them. See, the victory has already been won. It is in the past tense. We can claim that victory. But we need to remember that Satan and his team, they, they continue their efforts. I, I love this quote by John MacArthur. He, he says that they, they the, the evil ones, they, they continue their efforts to make sin less offensive, heaven less appealing, hell less horrific, and the gospel less urgent. But we must remember that we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And the greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Now last week, Justin talked about the, the big picture, the fact that, that the, the prince of this world is no match for the king of the universe. And amen, that, that is a powerful reminder of the fact that we win in the end. But this week... I want to take that one step further and make it a little bit more personal, a little more applicable to our everyday life. It's great for us to remember the big picture and the long-term results. But the fact is that we have the Holy Spirit within us. And so on a smaller scale, on a, on a more personal level, the dark angels of this world are no match for the Holy Spirit that is within us. And so this morning, I want you to walk away and I want you to be saying this all week long. I want you to remember that the overcomer is within us. We have the Holy Spirit that is giving us power and we can 
have victory in spiritual battles and in, in, against demonic oppression and in, in engaging in spiritual warfare, we can have victory on a day-to-day basis because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Do you believe that? And so as we talk about that principle, I want to just give you three just very quick, very easy things that we need to be doing. Like, it's great for us to know, but what are we going to do? And so let me just give you three things that can help us to tap into that energy of the Holy Spirit that's within us so that we can overcome. And I would say the first thing is this, memorizing Scripture. I think the Bible talks to us many times about the fact that we need to have God's Word hid in our heart. And now I know this is counterintuitive to to the technology we have today. You know, it's really easy for us to, you know, kind of rely on on doing Google searches and, 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 you know, hit up Wikipedia for information. You know, we can just look up a verse on our, our Bible app. Listen, there are going to be times, there may have already been times, that we've been in a situation where you're not going to be able to sit there and look up a verse. Right? We need to put God's word in our heads and in our hearts. In fact, John 14, 26, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was promising that the Holy Spirit would come, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, in verse 26 it says, is to help us to remember God's Word. And so we need to commit those verses to memory. So that as we're in spiritual battle, as we're, as we're feeling oppression, as we recognize that, that there is evil around us, that we have God's Word in our head and our hearts to help us respond and help us to use the power of the Holy Spirit within us. I think the second thing is, is this. And again, it, it may sound you know, very basic, but it's really important that we need to be praying intensely. We're going to visit Ephesians chapter 6 later on in the sermon series. But in that passage, in that chapter, It's talking about spiritual warfare. And one of the things that Paul encourages us to do in that passage is this. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray. Not just just pray casually, but pray intensely. You know, a few years ago I had the the opportunity of, of being at a, a small church in western Pennsylvania for their midweek prayer meeting. And this, this group of guys, it was, it's pretty amazing, this small church out kind of in the middle of nowhere, the influence that these guys were having on a global impact. They, they, they do some amazing ministries in India and Pakistan and as well as in their own neck of the woods. And these guys, you know, we, you know, it was a typical Wednesday night prayer meeting. It went from 7 to 8 o'clock, 8.30. But, you know, when we got done and, and most of the people had left, there was a, a core group of us, about five guys, 
that hung around. And, and, and as we talked and, and, and shared about some of the challenges that they were facing and, and, and some of the things that they were hearing and seeing from their, the, our fellow believers in India, we just kept praying. And I have never experienced that kind of intensity, that kind of camaraderie that I experienced that night. Because, you see, we, we finally got up off of our knees and looked at the clock, and it was 12.30 a.m. But see, we recognized that there was a spiritual warfare, and, he, and there was this brotherhood that we had, that we were intensely praying that the Holy Spirit would come out in our, in our lives and in, in the lives of, and circumstances of our fellow believers that, that the overcomer would have victory. Not just on a big scale, not just on a long-term scale, but on a day-to-day basis. We need to be memorizing God's Word. We need to be praying fervently, praying intensely. And then this last thing, you, you may have heard this phrase before, but we need to fight from victory, not for victory. In other words, recognizing that the victory is already won. We have overcome. But we need to claim that victory, and we need to fight knowing that we have the victory. Paul wrote this. He said this in Romans 8, 37. All, in all these things, he, he, he gave all these terrible things that were, that, that were happening. And he, and he said, what can separate us from the love of God? And he said in verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, the overcomer is within us. We, we can know the, the evil enemy. We can know their evil tactics. But at the end of the day, we can claim victory by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Hey, would you stand with me as we get ready to pray and we continue to worship this morning? If you would, please bow your heads, close your eyes. And I just want to begin this by making an invitation for those that have not made a decision to follow Jesus. You see, because all this we've talked about, about being an overcomer, about not being possessed by demonic influence, right? all those things, unfortunately, if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, those things don't apply to you. The fact is, you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, but you can. God's word has made it very clear. It's very simple. God sent his only son to pay the penalty for our sin so that we can be reconciled with him. We can have a, a restored relationship with God. And if you can make that decision to simply put your trust in, in, in what Jesus has done for you, it's then and only then that you can have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And the over, overcomer is within you. So this morning, I, if you have never made that decision, 
I would encourage you, you can make that decision right there now, wherever you are, in, in, in a seat here at Green, if you're watching online, on sitting on your couch, it doesn't matter. You can make that decision. If you need to talk to one of us afterwards to let us explain to you from God's word what that means, if you have more questions, we would love to talk to you. But that's the starting point. For those of us who have made that decision, the fact is, we cannot win the spiritual battle on our own strength. But, but, we can claim victory by the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us. Let's do that this morning. Our gracious God, we come before you. God, we, we do come with empty hands. We recognize that, that we have no strength of our own. Satan is a formidable foe. And he has a team of fallen angels, of dark angels, of demons that, that, that work out his evil plan. And God, we come before you this morning praying that you will give us the, the wisdom and strength to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit within us, that we might claim victory and that we might have on a day-to-day -day basis an understanding of the fact that we can win the spiritual battle, we can win the spiritual warfare if we simply allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come through us and to work in us. God, we pray that you will use us in a mighty and powerful way to influence those around us and to fight the evil one. And God, we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.